man, I saw Daniel do this. Let me fucking try this shit. You know, like inevitably <laughs> those things will come up, right? Does that mean I need to wear yoga pants and go to yoga and, you know, do all this? What we need to understand is that while something's coming up, like we need to appreciate something has to come down to make space for that. Let's be real, right? I mean, most of us train to look good naked. Being aware of yourself uh, is something that a lot of people don't have. People don't see that we've been doing this for fucking over a decade. Welcome to the Fitness FAQs podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Vadnell, Australian physiotherapist and calisthenics expert. Hey everyone, I'm excited to introduce my next guest, Vic Hawksley. He's a true all-round athlete. He embodies what's possible when combining calisthenics, weights, flexibility, and movement. He's the owner of Anatomy in Motion, a gym in Sydney, producing successful and happy students. I'm drawn to Vic's work because he's a fellow swole heavyweight. It's rare to see someone so big and strong moving well through large ranges of motion. Today, privilege of learning directly from a world-class teacher for free. This podcast aims to help you better understand the mindset and methods of achieving world-class results. Welcome to the Fitness FAQs podcast, Vic. How you doing, brother? I'm very well. Wow, that was an introduction. Wow. So happy to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. Now for the people that haven't come across your work, how would you say that your progression has evolved to this point in terms of how did you first get started and to your philosophy today? Um, it's probably not as exciting as most people think, you know, kind of it starts where most people start, which is a 16 year old boy, you know, kind of primal needs of feeling to, you know, needing to feel alpha, you know, kind of uh, hitting the gym. And the only thing that we know is, you know, the, the bench and whatnot, the chest back days sort of thing. That's basically where I started effectively, you know, kind of, and that was the start of the rabbit hole, you know, training, wanted to learn things, figuring out that I was obviously really interested in this thing, but knew very little. Hence, you know, having to go a little bit deeper into it, doing the qualifications that allowed me to, you know, come out of it as a professional then second day on the job, then realizing, oh my God, I am not prepared to deal with real everyday people. And then that was another stepping stone into, you know, oh God, I need to be continually learning and developing myself. So that was it really. That was the start, you know, kind of, uh, there was a personal thing that I wanted to do and pursue and uh, eventually turned into a professional thing. Awesome. And after seeing your work to this day, you seem to embody being strong supple and a savage can you explain what that philosophy is well uh you know strong firstly i mean who doesn't want to feel strong right you know kind of it's often said you know being strong is obviously one of the key indicators of quality of life well you know cool i want to obviously want to live well till my you know old ages but i also want to you know feel strong right now right you know kind of empowers me allows me this certain quality of life Supple, as obviously I'm pretty sure you'd agree, you know, kind of, we can't have strength if we don't have movement, <laughs> you know, like, you know, this, this notion of the way we explain it to people effectively is, you know, it's important for us to be able to go from A to B, you know, obviously, but it's how we get to A to B, you know, kind of, uh, that's the important thing here. So, you know, strength to me is in the same continuum as flexibility or, you know, supple, if you like. So this kind of, you know, being strong and supple go hand in hand for me, you know, to be able to enjoy the things that I can, you know, I'm able to do, express myself physically, you know, they go hand in hand. 
And then the, the savage is effectively, you know, a combination of both, right? It's like being able to express the strength and suppleness effectively. That's so awesome. And it's rare to see someone that does all of those to a high standard. But the thing is, and we, we know this from actually doing it and living it, being a jack of all trades, you're essentially a master of none. How do you deal with not being the best, but good at a lot of little things? Um, listen, I mean, kind of, you know, it's a process. I mean, you don't arrive here overnight, of course. As you just alluded, you know, kind of, um, we have to do it ourselves from first most, you know, kind of. So we have to be able to walk the walk. And that walk in the walk is the bit that a lot of people uh, get lost at, you know, like which path to take and how deep to go or how wide to go, you know. And the way I view it is, you know, um, you need to go deep and wide, you know, initially, you know, kind of it's like, you know, to let's take lifting as an example, you know, kind of you don't accidentally get strong at whatever lift you're trying to get better at, right? I mean, let's, for simplicity, we just say squats and deadlifts, you know, kind of if you don't put the work in, you're not going to be able to continue refine, you know, those particular movements and obviously over a period of time get strong on those things. They need to be happening and they need to be done with a certain intention and attention, right? Now, if those are the underlying things, the intention and attention, well, if we take that into then, let's say, body weight strength, same applies there. That's the common thread. You know, you need to be working with a certain intention and attention there as well. You can carry that into, let's say, flexibility type of training too. So there are this common thread, if you like, you know, within all these different modalities. So people think, you know, strength training or lifting is one thing and, you know, body weight strength is one thing and flexibility is a completely different animal by itself and whatnot. I mean, in its own right, of course it is, right? And when we, when we look at specialists, in this particular area, I mean, they're a specialist because they've taken that extra step or two or maybe even five to be at the level they're at, you know. So for us, we look at that, those high level, you know, and think, well, that's where we need to be at to be really pioneers at this particular thing. But really, no one is really willing to look at like the bottom line, right? It's like, well, what are the underlying things here that is common in all these areas, all these modalities, all these specialists, if you like, and that's the level to start at. You know, kind of, you know, we, we threw this word out before the, the chat started, you know, this foundation, right? It's like, you know, no one's kind of willing to kind of lay this wide foundation down. I mean, this is where, you know, the work is at because, you know, as they say, wider the foundation, the higher the peak, right? It gives me the option to kind of choose any area and then kind of double down. And guess what? I'm ready. I can pick it up and I can really be, you know, kind of focused and develop myself physically, mentally, emotionally in that particular area. Then the cool thing is, I'm not married to that thing, you know, kind of like, I don't need to be like known as like, I'm the lifting sort of guy. I can go, Hey, cool. Let's take a break a little bit. It doesn't mean, you know, I'm getting a divorce, you know, it just means, Hey, let me just kind of jump ship a little bit. And then like, you know, kind of look at this particular, you know, project or, you know, kind of modality or whatever you want to call it. And that's how I guess I've been able to kind of, you know, interlace myself in different uh, ways of moving and trying to effectively get better every day, you know, kind of in each of these things. But it's, again, that, you know, attention and intention is the key thing. You know, it's not a, you don't playfully get better at these things, you know, kind of, um, yeah, that's, that's probably the truth. Yeah. Great answer. What would you say are the common threads that do exist between different modalities, say strength, flexibility, body weight stuff, weights? 
from your experience? Well, the most obvious answer would be obviously kind of, you know, self-awareness, right? You know, kind of obviously being aware of yourself uh, is something that a lot of people don't have. And, you know, this is not to kind of get frou-frou and whatnot kind of stuff. I'm, I'm literally talking about, you know, you don't need to be a specialist to understand, you know, kind of, and when I say specialist, you don't need to be a clinician or like a, an anatomist, you know, kind of to know your shoulders function in this particular way, or, you know, you got this function available at your legs or whatever kind of stuff. But to know, you know, kind of yourself, you know, kind of to be aware of your body, it's, it's one of the underlying things, because if you're aware, then you can start to work with certain intention or attention, right? To kind of, you know, effectively be able to influence your body in and through space, right? Because whether you're carrying a weight, whether you're moving your own body weight, or whether you're trying to, you know, downregulate and get into spaces you normally don't go into, like, guess what? That awareness is the underlying thing first and foremost. Now, from there, obviously, you know, coming back to this terminology, you know, the foundation, you know, kind of like truly to me, things like, you know, our ability to kind of, you know, breathe, breathe well. What I mean by that is, you know, we all know, obviously, breathing is integral to living, you know, kind of, uh, however, we can use breath to, you know, downregulate, that's to calm ourselves down or upregulate, you know, look at lifting as an example, you know, as, let's prime the nervous system, you know, use the breath to create tension, to brace, to be able to shift heavy amount of weight. But let's look at flexibility, especially passive flexibility. It's like, hey, let's use the breath to downregulate, to calm the nervous system down, to allow the body to yield, you know, guess what? The breath is the underlying thing. So, you know, those are the kind of the, the some of the underlying, you know, um, common threads, if you like, you know, between different modalities. That's the way I would perceive it. I really like your response there because it's applicable regardless if someone wants to be doing calisthenics weights or stretching stuff. The takeaway I get from that, Vic, is intention. And I really like that because I feel that many people, and we're all guilty of it, get caught in the trap of just doing certain movements, doing certain exercises without really knowing or putting full effort and intent into what we're doing. And I guess I'd like you to elaborate on just getting more out of a movement without necessarily upping the intensity through being intentional. So what's your experience with that? Whew. Yeah, I mean, look, again, this is going to obviously look different for different people. Um, you know, obviously we're talking now in the context of how this can be applied on different individuals, right? You know, because my own experience is going to be very different to your experience. And that's something that we need to respect and embrace. So this is where that communication piece comes into play. When we're sharing ideas or frameworks or, you know, whatever people want to call it, systems and methods, whatever kind of stuff, right? But effectively, in a simple way, intention cannot happen without the context, right? Married to it. So it's intention and context. Now this context, again, will look different for different people, right? You know, uh, I often kind of, you know, uh, give the, the simple answer, you know, well, well, no, hang on. Most people, when they get asked a question, what do they say? Like, well, it depends, right? And then, it, well, it depends on so many things, right? I mean, what it means is like, what, what's the context? You know, in what context are we asking this question or are we going to help this person or hang on, what's the intention? What's the adaptation we're looking for? You know, kind of a, what's the physical context? When I say physical context, well, it could be things like, how does this person learn? How does this person coordinate or move, right? What's their literally physical capacity? How much work can they do? How much, what's the state of readiness? Like all this is, in, you know, it, this is context. Right. So again, this is what then drives the intention, you know, so let's take, 
let's take a, a chin up as an example, a nice and simple example, right? You know, body weight movement, uh, like most body weight movements, you can either do it or you can't, <laughs> you know, right? So uh, as the, the muck daddy of movement culture, you know, Ida Portal would say, you know, you're either pregnant or not pregnant. You're not maybe pregnant, right? You know, you can either do the work or you can't do the work. There is not like maybe the kind of work, right? Now, I guess in that breath, you know, let's use chin up as an example. Uh, if somebody doesn't quite have the strength, you know, well, okay, we, we know the, the science way. It's like, well, let's start to kind of get some isometric type of work in there. And once they build some capacity there, let's start to kind of integrate that, you know, eccentric portion. So we can go into then isotope eccentric. And then once they have a certain capacity, we can go to the concentric and X, Y, Z, right? But let's say somebody brand new through the door who doesn't understand their shoulders whatsoever, right? You know, well, the intention, what's the intention behind those isometric? You know what I mean? Kind of like, so the idea now is like, well, you know, to answer your question, well, how do we then dictate the, you know, uh, how do we allow the intention to dictate the intensity? Well, it depends, right? Like, what's the state of readiness? Like, how do they chew the information? And how does the, how does the work that's been done landing on them? You know, and it's like that drives, okay, cool. Well, how much can you sustain? Then it becomes about how well and frequently can we do it? You know, then how else is that work landing onto the next thing and the, what we have planned for the later in the week or whatever it is, right? So those are some of the, the moving parts, if you like, you know, kind of which will dictate, you know, how we go on, a, you know, how we go about deciding the intensity, you know, of the work. Yeah. It's almost like starting with the end in mind and then working back based on where the person's at or yourself. That is beautiful. That is literally the line we have up here. So we have this big wall behind me that says intentional wall. And it says below it, start with the end in mind. You know, kind of everybody has this big, huge, audacious goals, which is cool. But let's be real, you know, kind of like any department, any big goals, you know, whether we, you know, party tricks, everybody wants like the muscle up, handstands, levers, whatever. They like long-term goals or even flexibility, right? They're like, dude, they're like fucking year or two away, like strictly speaking. But no one wants to hear like, hang on, how long, <laughs> right? But what that start in mind allows us to do is then reverse engineer things. Okay, cool. If that is like a couple of years away, if we were to reverse engineer, take stock of where you currently are at, what is realistically available to us over the next, you know, 12 to 16 weeks because guess what we can get some fucking serious you know things happening but we just got to be real that's why that starting with the end in mind it's you know it's integral that's like one of the key things that drives a lot of things we do here nice nice what is the term physical vocabulary and why is it important for strength and flexibility stuff <laughs> it's beautiful i love it i love it i mean you know we talked about kind of having that wide base effectively you know kind of um so using, let's say, uh, that breath as an example, or we could talk about shoulder stability or so many different array of things, right? Movement vocabulary to me is effectively, you know, being able to not just uh, have this linear, you know, kind of uh, progress or application of being able to do certain things, you know? It is effectively being able to also step laterally, right? So what vocabulary allows me to do is allows me to kind of use you know, and say, let's say, you know, same thing in a different way. Does that make sense? So using that, let's say, breath as an example, you know, I can use that underlying concept of breath to elevate, you know, myself in, let's say, in the context of lifting. But I can also take that over to then, let's say, the breath into flexibility type of work and use it there. Does that make sense? You know, kind of then it's, you know, the word is the breath, but how I'm applying it is completely different. And it's like, you know, and it's 
the ability to have that wide array of vocabulary that allows me to then play in different fields effectively. I'm using the same thing, but just in a slightly different way, right? So that can only happen if I understand it, if I can use it intentionally and proactively. Does that make sense? You know, kind of, that's just an example, I guess. Hopefully that answers your question. That does, it does. I like that, which uh, leads me on to my next question, which is there's a statement out there and I want to see what you think about this. We can have it all, but not at the same time. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, like, totally agree with it. Like, it is, you know, I was talking about it before. All those people who've, you know, kind of, who, who walk the walk, you know, effectively, right? You know, uh, we have to respect and embrace that to go deep into something. Guess what? We need to do exactly that. You know, we need to be all about it. Because once we're all about something, you know, kind of, we eventually kind of start to make our own mind up, right? We get to go through that experiential learning ourselves to see whether A, A resonates with us, you know, which is obviously going to make us more inquisitive and go a little bit further into that stuff or ask better questions or whatever it may be to a point where we may even start to experiment on, not just on ourselves, but other people around us and whatnot too, right? And that can only really happen when we go deep. Now, that's effectively, you know, let's say in the context of lifting, you know, we talked about it before, you don't accidentally lift 200 kilos, you know, there needs to be a certain structure behind it. There needs to be certain attention, intention, right? Within your own context. Now, that means you can have that. Obviously, doesn't mean you can't have, let's say, the, you know, the badass bodyweight skills or flexibility, whatever kind of stuff. You can also have that, but not at the same time. There are too many competing demands coming in. Now, that's where also the frustration lies and obviously a lot of confusion and a lot of, let's say, positive experimentation on our part, right? You know, kind of where we are, willing to put ourselves on the front line and experiment with different things, you know, kind of, but we do it with a, a spacious mindset, you know, like let's say kind of, you know, using yourself as an example, you know, uh, you would have had, you know, uh, help in terms of you would have, there would be people you looked up to, mentors, teachers, you know, you worked under, um, who helped guide you in a particular area, particular modality to shine a light on, you know, information, teachings, ways or whatever that we simply didn't know. Right. And that's allowed you to elevate and go deep in that one area. Now, stepping outside, you know, it's like, well, cool, I've attained this thing. It doesn't mean, again, I'm getting divorced from it. But for you to kind of do that in some other area, guess what? You need to be okay and in peace with, cool, I know the ropes, I know the process, I've done the work. Okay. Now I'm consciously willing to kind of go over to this area. And, you know, this has been happening for a number of years. People don't see that we've been doing this for fucking over a decade. You know, if we look at like, you know, over a decade stuff, like, as I said, we're just, you know, a 16 year old Vic, you know, kind of primal needs, like didn't know what I was doing, you know, things like that, like, just like anybody else, but just showing up every day, you know, kind of that willingness to kind of, you know, chip the work in and obviously go deep into certain area, then also being okay with, okay, now it's time to pull back because my focus is completely different. I'm going to go deep into this area, then being able to come back and then consolidate these things. That's another thing altogether, which again, a lot of people don't see, you know, kind of, which is effectively, if we effectively kind of peak at something, that doesn't mean we get to stay there, right? That is not a new norm for us. We need to pull back. And the most important part, which again, a lot of people sometimes fail to do, right? Which is consolidate, you know, let's take flexibility as an example and strength as an example. The reason most people think there are completely different things and like it's like you can't have one and the other, right? That's because A, it's in the headspace, right? It's almost like kind of, you know, 
well, I've been doing strength for so long. And to be flexy, that means now I need to divorce the strength stuff and be all about flexy. And does that mean I need to wear yoga pants and go to yoga and, you know, do all this? Or it's like, no, you just change your headspace, right? You need to kind of then understand, like, if flexibility is the primary adaptation you're looking for, like, let's go deep into this. Let's try understand this as well as we can. And let's put the work in whereby it doesn't mean you can't do the strength work. The strength work just means, hey, it needs to be maintained at some capacity and you need to be okay because that may mean you need to go backwards in that area. But guess what? You said you wanted to go upwards in this and there's only one way to go upwards. <laughs> you know, commitment, patience, diligence, attention, intention, you know, like that's it. That's the only way we can excel. So again, this, this idea of like, you know, being able to play in different fields, we can have it all, but not all at the same time. And we need to embrace that. We need to respect that. And that's exactly why I asked you that question, Vic, because as a, as a role model, people would see it and they would maybe on the outside looking in, just think that you've got the highest level for yourself personally in flexibility, in strength, in aesthetics at all times, just constantly. But it's just great that you said that it's not the case, that you're going to pull on different levers at different times and focus your intention on one thing at a time more so. And the major difference with this philosophy of trying to combine multiple modalities is that it's not like you're just doing flexibility or you're just doing general strength movements. You're doing one to a greater extent than the other for a certain period of time and doing all the other things that you just mentioned before in terms of consistency by sticking to something and being okay with not progressing in something else for the moment. I think that that is just absolutely gold for people listening because there seems like there's a lot of maybe insecurity that they're going to lose out on something if they're not doing everything at once. But as you've clearly said, if, if you try and hold on to everything at once, you'll stagnate or even regress because you just, you can't keep it up. Yeah, there are too many competing demands and that's what people need to understand. And I think the, the terminology that often people will use is, you know, well, I just want to be well balanced. You know, I want to be well balanced and I want to have everything. Well, definition of balance means there's equal weight on either side. That's literally what balance means, right? If I'm not mistaken, life is not fucking balance. You know, neither is like these being high level of different things. I mean, look at Olympians who are super specialists. Even they need to kind of face things in and out and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So what we need is not this word balance, but more so like this, this harmony. What we need to understand is that while something's coming up, like we need to appreciate something has to come down to make space for that. Right. And then guess what? Then we need to be aware of it. Okay. Is it going too low? Okay. Are we happy with that? No, let's bring it up. That means something else. So it's this continual, you know, this harmony that we need to understand and be able to influence, right? It's just like life. You know, we can't literally, you know, have it be at our top game all the time, you know, but the more awareness we have and the better ability, you know, of us to influence that, that's going to be better. Now for the people that are listening that want to get more flexible, but maybe they think of flexibility as something like, like you alluded to before with like yoga, traditional ways of calm, stretching, passive stuff, but maybe they're more interested in getting supple and strong, what would be your, I guess, higher level recommendation for approaching being supple and strong? That's cool. Um, well, there are so many different ways, really, we can go about it. And again, it will come down to the individual's, you know, 
not just intention, but the context too, right? I mean, like how much of a priority is it? I mean, it's like, like any coach would say, like, you know, how serious are we about this stuff? I mean, that's going to really dictate then, you know, the work that we're going to implement, right? Then there's that work that we actually, you know, prescribe slash what's being actually applied, right? You know, kind of and how well has it been applied? There's putting that all aside, let's say simple step-by-step framework that we don't want to use, let's say as a general practice is, you know, we, we call it like, it's part of a prep work. It's like, if you're not moving well, then you can't move, you know, often, right? That's, that's, the, that's the saying, right? You know, so, you know, we kind of go, well, if this is the meat of the, the work, right? In the program effectively, before we get there, let's get ourselves as best as possible over there, you know, kind of. So we actually, you know, at a very, uh, at a very low level, we go, we want to be doing things that we can do at a high frequency. That means it's going to be very low intensity, right? Doesn't take away from the main meat of the work. That means we can do this often, very often, right? So that's how we uh, initially implement a lot of flexi type of work. And again, the flexi type of work that we do implement then isn't the, the you know, traditional, uh, you know, long passive holes effectively. You know, they're going to be a little more dynamic in nature. They're also going to be in patterns that most people don't often play in or explore, right? You know, the cool thing is then we can then use these, you know, kind of movements to uh, use as a reference point for the big events that we want to take people up to. So as an example, you know, uh, let's say hip and spine integrity, another way of saying, you know, a lot of people would say hip hinge, right? You know, we call it hip and spine integrity because yes, hip hinge is integral in the context of lifting, but we also need to know how to be supple through the spine and how that integrates and influences the hip, right? Um, so this is why we call it hip and spine integrity. But let's say kind of, you know, preparing for a, a deadlift session or a, or a lower body session, you know, as part of the prep work, we do something called like hinge walk, which is like one of the first things that we teach people. It, it's a form of assessment for our part because it shows us A, how tight they are through the posterior chain effectively. B, it allows us to teach us, you know, like this is what actually hip hinge is as opposed to, you know, rounding of the spine, you know, or things of that nature. Now, that assessment tool is an education tool, but also at a very, you know, low level, you know, it's an effective way of like, hey, we're just going to bash out, you know, 20 reps of this, 10 on per side for two sets, you know, every other day or whatever as part of our preparatory work. Now that's like, you know, pulling on the, the hamstring effectively, right? It's like doing single-legged mornings. Very, very low level. Now within, I'm talking within four to six weeks of staying consistent, you know, kind of those people who can hardly, you know, kind of get to 45 degrees hip hinge, they kind of see so much improvement but that wasn't because we were like, okay, hang out here for a certain thing, X, Y, Z. This is meeting people where they're at, changing their headspace a little bit, but most importantly, getting to do this work often, right? So that's a, a simple way to implement it, you know, kind of make it part of your prep work or non-negotiable if you like. It's almost like saying to people, have your veggies before your steak, <laughs> right? That's a simple way. Now, of course, the most obvious way would be, hey, make flexibility, the meat and veg, right? That's a specific program to then take them from A to B, you know, wherever that, whatever that may be, right? That's another way to do it. Um, you can do them as part of your cool downs, right? So now at the end of the session, so you can see, you know, we can do indirect work and direct work, right? Now, you know, there are so many different ways we can do it. And that way would depend on A, what, who the person in front of us is and what are they currently doing? What are their primary goals and where can we feed them into them, right? And they, are they actually doing this? Is it resonating with them? Because that's the only way we can get the buy-in for them to do the actual work, 
right? Um, so those are the kind of places where we'd normally start. With the flexibility stuff, there is a lot of research and general consensus from the professionals as well that the frequency is a very important aspect and just getting that in is, is very important for improving your range over time. When it comes to the flexibility stuff, are you tending to give your students more isolated segments for a specific block or do you approach the whole body at once? That's a beautiful question. Uh, we will treat it like any other piece of work that we will do, which will mean, again, attention and intention behind certain things. So I uh, mentioned this word a little bit earlier on projects. So one of the, that's one of the key words that we often use here. Hey, we're going to be working on this project for the next you know, 12 to 16 weeks. Now, the reason, A, we call it project is because, let's be real, we're never really done with a project, right? It's always work in progress. <laughs> but what that allows us to do then is go, okay, cool. Here are the primary things we're going to be working on, or a particular pattern or a movement. So let's say, as far as the flexibility realm goes, the expression of movements that you know we will normally try to attain or the projects will be something like a backwards, front split, middle split, pancake, you know, your head to toe, and also skin the cap thrown in there, right? So we actually have six expressions, let's say. That's a good mixture of, you know, hip, upper body, things like that, right? You know, um, now a conversation we're having, a, a, you know, a couple of minutes ago around, you know, we can have it all, but not at the same time. So again, that's another way to kind of go, dude, you can't have all these expressions at the same time. <laughs> you know, you can't go from zero to 1000%, you know, like, like that, right? So again, this is another usage of that, that project. So it could be something like, you know, so taking the current uh, project that we have ongoing at the moment in our tribe, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Middle split and skin the cat, right? So those are two of the, you know, the projects that we have. So we actually have, you know, uh, we call our flexibility class Get Bent, right? You know, kind of, so, you know, in Get Bent sessions, you know, kind of we have the primary things we're working towards is this, you know, middle split and skin the cat. So now that drives, our programming, the work that we're implementing, you know, across the next 12 to 16 weeks, right? That's like the North Star. That doesn't mean people are just doing like, I'm gonna hold middle split, or like, you know, I'm gonna just go straight to the skin of the cat. If that's the end in mind, cool, let's reverse engineer. Okay, what are the things that we need? Okay, let's we let's just take this reductionist view. So have to kind of prepare people's body to withstand that sort of stuff, you know? Okay, we can look at the outside of the hip, the inside of the hip. Okay, we're like inside of the leg, outside of the leg. Okay, cool, you know, things like that. That clarity is very important when it comes to flexibility because I feel that for those that aren't informed or don't have experience, they'll be like, oh, I'm tight in these areas and they might just pick some upper body spots, some lower body spots, stretch it, and then the next day do something different. Whereas what you're saying and what we're hearing time and time again from the experts in the field is that you need to commit to a position you want to improve and attack it, like you said. If it's getting the skin, the cat, you're going to be drilling that shoulder extension. And because you're directing your focus, energy and resources to that, then surprise, surprise, it's going to improve because you're not just putting random stimulus on your body at random times. It's, it's very targeted and directed. And this is, comes back to what we said before, where there's the common threads in all types of training, be it flexibility or strength that you need to be doing it consistently and have an approach. Today's sponsor for the show is Fitness FAQs. Use the coupon code PODCAST10 to save 10% at checkout when shopping on fitnessfaqs.com. Enjoy the discount and let's get back to the conversation. What have you found to be 
the favorite training split, if you will, for becoming essentially a complete athlete? Let me say this with this preface. Now, a lot of people that we help are everyday people, right? You know, kind of, we have to respect and embrace that this is not their main thing. Like, this is not their livelihood the way it is like mine, right? So, you know, like the way I'm willing to kind of really lean in and kind of, you know, da 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 da, you know, that's a different story. You know, our tribe, you know, I do not represent my tribe effectively. That's the first and foremost thing, right? I'm trying to coach the person in front of me. So, again, it's going to be dependent on the person in front. Now, we talked about this, you know, being consistent, being patient, being diligent, all this kind of stuff. Now, all this stuff is obviously integral, right? And it needs to happen for a long term, effectively, right? We're in agreement there. But effectively, for this to happen in this capacity, this, you know, coaching capacity, let's say, it is comes down to a relationship, right? It's like, how much of a relationship do we have with this person in front? Now, like any good relationship, it comes down to communication. Are we speaking the same language? You know, do you understand me? Can I, can I, like, am I taking the time to understand you? You know, like, are you getting the right push? Am I pulling you at the right time? You know, kind of like it's, you know, and it's a continual, you know, uh, work in progress in that front effectively. Now that's going to be the key driver, you know, because effectively to me, this is why, you know, we do a lot of, you know, we're about coaching is because the biggest variable, the biggest training variable that we have, what people don't often speak about is the person's effort, right? You know, kind of the person in front of us, their effort to chip in, you know, kind of the work to lean into the work, to ask the right question. Again, that, that's the biggest training variable. You know, we can have everything programmed to the letter of the science, you know, like the perfect intensity, the load, the volume, and it looks so beautifully periodized, X, Y, Z, and so perfected. But if the person in front of me doesn't resonate with it, you know, kind of isn't, you know, like isn't having a good time, isn't able to implement it, it's like, it's not gonna work long-term, right? Now, that aside, you know, kind of, then obviously it comes down to, you know, like the work that we're doing. And again, we said before, hey, uh, so what's our priority? Because, you know, we can only have one, maybe two priorities at a time, you know? So like the laundry list of party tricks that we want to do, you know, the, the swole, you know, kind of the, the supple and X, Y, Z, it's like, okay, cool. Like, what are we going to really focus on? And then, you know, if that's the big rock, then, okay, let's kind of set those small rocks in, which is like, okay, they're just playing in the background at a very low thing. And our objective is to make sure the small rocks don't take away from the big rocks. You know, again, it doesn't mean we don't get to, you know, uh, we need to get a divorce from things, but just it means like, hey, we're investing in this thing right now, you know? Um, so that's what it comes down to. I know it's a tricky question. And like before we mentioned with context being dependent, it's just when people want to do multiple things, they get overwhelmed in terms of just like, a general structure like should we put i guess i'd ask for the viewers listening would be like do i put flexibility after my strength work do i do two a days do i how do i how do i just deal with a week at a, at a large level yeah look i mean at, at a simple level but let me kind of give myself as an example and then i'll kind of i'll um, you know i'll kind of talk about how we help other people manage their time together or their splits whatever you want to call them you know uh, my primary intention right now is to be strong, you know, kind of in strong in the context of my lifts. So my lifting, my squats and deadlifts are my primary goals. Now, again, that's not going to happen by accident. Now, the level that I'm doing in, or the level I'm trying to pursue them at, you know, kind of it's, it's like they're intense days, you know, kind of, and 
Uh, I've been experimenting. That's another thing as well. So like I'm experimenting with a, like a power build type of work, which is effectively rather than multiple days. I'm just, you know, doing lift as in squatting once every eight days, you know, kind of, but that day, you better believe it. It's going to be fucking hard. You know, like, you know, it's like I'm peaking and then I'm doing back off sets, then kind of get everything out of my legs. Right. Same thing with deadlifts. Right. You know, so those two, again, like my training age, I'm obviously a little bit older, so I need ample time to recover between the two. And then just like everybody else, I also have this, you know, selfish, not selfish, selfish is the wrong word, maybe more inquisitive. Like I want it all. Like, you know, if I'm touching the barbell at a high level, I'm like, what's my body weight doing? Am I, am I, can I still bend this way? Can I still move this way? I'm like, what's my lever like? You know, oh shit, I saw this on Graham. You know, like, oh man, I saw Daniel do this. Let me fucking try this shit. You know, like, <laughs> never see those things will come up, right? But again, my priority is, okay, I'm going to make sure I am ready for those days. You know, the, the days I'm going to train these things, there's a structure to it. My objective is to create the best environment that I can within myself, not just physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever that means leading up to that day and after those days, you know, to kind of make sure that I'm making the most of it. So if you were to kind of pull back, then that just simply looks like lower body, upper body, maybe rest, maybe supple, like a couple of flexibility, you know, move, grease the body, whatever it looks like. Again, then, you know, maybe upper body to lower body or lower body to upper body sort of thing, right? Now, everyday person, you know, kind of the way we actually help people here, again, like how many times are you training? How many times do you have available? That's the key driver, right? What's your primary intention? What's your state of readiness? And what's your intention? Okay, cool. Okay, let's have a centerpiece for you. And it's interesting, the polarity, because you guys are all in-house and we're all online. So it just comes back to what you said. You've got to embrace your lane and just just give your all to that. And we're doing it online. This is, I mean, you know, the way you're able to, again, like you didn't get to where you are overnight either. Right. You know, as I said before the call, like, you know, I've been following you for a number of years. I'm talking like years and years and years, you know, kind of and to see you develop and again, again, you know, kind of see you go all in into this as well. It's like it's mind blowing the way you're able to help. You know, we talked about it before people playing at different you know, wavelengths effectively. Right. Those people who've never done any sort of this kind of training. They have a framework they can work they can get their journey started right as opposed to those people who have been doing it for a little while they also have something that you have a way of communicating and helping them does that make sense you know kind of and for us like we don't have any of that you know kind of and, and you know people kind of see us you know maybe they see this you know small dark fella rolling around doing weird stuff and they're like hey bro like can you can you do this program or like you know they see me lift or whatever like you know or do whatever kind of stuff and it's like hey do you, do you do this programming XYZ? And it's like, no, we don't, you know, kind of, and it's, it's not out of, you know, disrespect, but it's more so kind of, it's because we don't know the individual in front of us. And, you know, like it's, we, we're not set up, you know, to help powerfully, you know? So it's just like, Hey, Matt, this is not us. That's cool. That's cool. Before you mentioned bent and straight arm exercises, should we do them at the same time or separately? That's a beautiful question. And just like everything else we've talked about, again, it will depend on what the intention is, you know? So for us initially, yes, we do combine a bit of both. Um, you know, let's say, uh, let me break it down. So we talked about straight arm, you know, being basically anything with you know, locked out elbows. That's effectively the wall, the shoulders, right? And any work with straight arm, it's normally, normally it will be in the form of isometrics. Right, you know, kind of like, you know, it's going to be a hold of some sort. Think about top support or support holding the rings, you know, L-sit, 
a hanging variation with straight arms, you know, scat pull levers, whatever you want to call it, right? It's normally like a, a little bit isolation kind of thing. And there's only so much bandwidth that we have, you know? And again, it will depend on your state of readiness. What that means is effectively, you know, what's your physical context? How capable are you? As well as what have you done prior to this? You know, kind of, so it makes sense to kind of, you know, do the, the straight arm basics and then kind of finish it with the bent arm stuff. Right, because then you get that's how we combine it in our you know normal uh, GPP blocks and phases effectively, you know. But then, like anything, if we need to elevate ourselves, like guess what? Then we need to be all about it again. Handstand isn't going to magically happen if we're just working on your chin ups in the same session, as an example, right? It's like okay, cool. Let's open the shoulders. Let's be dedicated. Let's kind of work at this expression. Same thing with levers and tuck planches. You know, again, like you don't accidentally get better at them, right? There's obviously this strength side of things we need. And people need to understand, you know, kind of, we see these things as a skill, you know, kind of, uh, but for anything to be a skill, skill is effectively everything, right? It's like your level of awareness, the ability to influence certain things, you know, well, we need to do things in a way that you can a, manage, you know, kind of are aware and obviously coordinate. Great. Yeah. I love the answer of it depends, but it's not a cop out. It's actually, it really does depend on where they're at in the development and overall objectives. What's the priority? For sure. How is training different for gaining strength versus building muscle? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, again, there's so many different ways we can go about it. You know, in simple terms, I was literally having a conversation with somebody a couple of days ago and the way I've been describing it recently. So I'm going to attempt something that I haven't been using for long. Uh, so bear with me, you know, I've been kind of, I've been liking this terminology, you know, the hardware and software kind of thing, right? So, you know, I like so, it. you know, hardware is effectively like, well, well you're built, like, you know, you're like what you got, right? So, you know, you want to add more muscle mass. That's like, you know, you want to add more hardware, you know, kind of software would be effectively like how well can you, you know, your inputs, right? Like, you know, how well can you use the stuff you already have and boom, go. And that's like the more strength effectively. So again, kind of, you know, in the. Uh, the strength realm, you know, it comes down, we treat it like a skill, right? So, you know, like the idea here is to understand how well can you use everything you already have, every attribute that you have, right? So, you know, kind of your, your suppleness, you know, you're already your strength. How well can you coordinate and apply that shit, you know, kind of in this particular task, you know, that will dictate the strength, right? And obviously that means there's a certain intensity level to it as well, right? And that will kind of normally influence the strength versus let's say to add more muscle mass you know people normally say it's more reps it's like you know between that uh, the eight to 12 rep zone you know that sort of thing and you know that's cool that's looking at more kind of like how well can we get that you know the hardware to come into play now does that make sense you know so if it's heavy or it's too hard whereby you know we can't sustain certain level of you know control or ability to influence well that's more on the strength side of things we're going to break down a lot earlier that's like more technical failures that's when that happens you know as opposed to you know okay fuck, like i'm feeling the burn like that lactic you know that sort of thing well that's more the strength bone effectively you know so those are the the two ways we normally kind of separate them the software and hardware if you like and again like anything we need to be able to dip in and out of these two things you know, kind of, again, there are times where you kind of have a hybrid, you know, strength into more of a, you know, hypertrophy, if you like, you know, kind of, and then we need this, you know, pure focus on, okay, deadlift is an example, you know, kind of like, this is a strength move, we're going to treat it like a strength move, where our objective is to improve our three rep max, you know, kind of, and 
is fresh because this is exactly what's going down right now. You know, uh, five months ago, the start of the year almost, we knew we had this event here in-house called Deads and Dump. Effectively, what happens is back of the studio gets turned into a Nepalese street kitchen. We have momos or dumplings. And at the front, we have deadlifts happen, right? And we normally test, you know, three rep max, right? So again, the idea here is that, you know, accidentally, you can't just lift one rep, you know, like you need to have a certain control and ability to kind of lift three reps, right? So the last five months, you know, lift one of the lift programs effectively, we've been improving our deadlifts to prepare and peak for this event, right? So again, that doesn't mean we'll be just training heavy all the time. You know, there we've got undulating things, right? Okay, this phase, we're gonna be lifting more volume. The idea is to kind of improve the hardware, you know, coordination X, Y, Z. Uh, okay, cool. Now we're going to peak a little bit, you know, kind of lift a little bit less reps, but higher intensity, things of that nature. So again, we need to play in different, different wavelengths. I like this example of hardware software because on the one end of the spectrum, you could have the hardware being your, your typical gym bro who's purely just doing reps close to failure, a lot of machines, a lot of freeways, isolation, you name it. And they, they look swole, but their, their strength output, if they're purely focused on specializing, is not there. They're, they're not strong. Whereas you contrast that with someone that's doing like the, the software side of things, maybe like a, a deadlift specialist. And we've all seen that like, it's, it's like the ant type strength where there's some really skinny dude who's got great leverages and they just focus on strength stuff, really neurologically efficient, and they're strong. But what we're trying to get at with this summary of, of how to train for the different styles is you can have a blend by taking the principles from both, or you can also dedicate your time and energy to one more than another. And just know that if you blend, your progress is going to be slower, as Vic was saying earlier, or if you focus on one more so at a time, it's going to be more rapid into that domain that you choose. For sure. You know, uh, that's that's basically it. You know, kind of often people, you know, let's be real, right? I mean, most of us train to look good naked. I mean, I don't care what you say, right? That's that's what we train. You know, kind of obviously, it's very subjective too. You know, kind of in terms of what what looking good means to the person themselves, right? You know, because I can look at somebody and be like, man, you're in great shape. You know, but they're like, nah, man, I want I want this bit and that that whatever kind of stuff, right? That's that's up to up to them. But coming back to you know this kind of well. There are so many different ways we can go to the same intention you know kind of and and this is something we need to again understand they, they it's not be it or end all that sort of thing you know like we can have it all but not hold it at the same time we've said this before so again like there are so many different ways we can go about this thing what we need to understand is you know the way that we choose are we happy with it can we sustain it for a long period of time does it does it enable me to express myself physically in other realms do I need to be playing in other realms? You know, like all these things have to come into play because it will also come down to, you know, our, you know, character, like, you know, like meaning like our personalities and whatnot too. I mean, a lot of people these days, I mean, you know, I'm, I would also count myself as one of these, you know, certain part of my personality is like, you know, I want results yesterday. Simple as, you know, like, of course, you know, like I see something, I'm like, guess what? Like, fuck, how, what's the quickest way to get there? You know, but often we say the longest way, longest way around is the shortest way. <laughs> You know, kind of like, because, you know, if I'm going to take this long and slow approach, 
you know, it may be slow, but I know I'm linearly making progress every day. I come in, chip in. I'm making progress long over a period of time, as opposed to, you know, I'm going to sprint. I'm going to be all about it. Go, go, how did I make this mad progress in the short term? And then now suddenly, oh, shit, something happened. Now I've got to take time off. Or I need to kind of build myself back up, build a baseline, and then do another sprint. So this stops that, stops that, stops that. You know, to me, I'm like, dude, like I can have fun in multiple different things and I can still progress, you know, in the things that I want to. I'm like, it's a no brainer for me, but <clears throat> that's only because I'm comfortable with going slow. Now that doesn't mean everybody else wants to go slow too. So, you know, we need to respect that and also embrace that. Right. But again, it comes down to that open communication as we're talking about, you know, kind of like this, uh, the way we're going to help people, you know, kind of, we need to be real with it and be part of being real is, People on the other end understanding, you know, kind of like, okay, this is what's going to go down. You know, this is, I need to have myself ready. That's the fascinating thing about training that is probably one of the biggest things that I enjoy is the lessons that it teaches you in terms of patience and also progress. It's just so black and white in terms of you want an outcome, you're going to have to put in repeated efforts in order to get there. And if you're training it like a sprint, you're either going to get injured or you're going to get burnt out psychologically or inevitably your progress will slow because you're trying to take on more than you can recover from. So based on speaking to you for this hour, I can tell you've got a similar temperament to me. It's the training motivation is never an issue. If we could have uh, multiple versions of ourselves to just go all day and just keep going, we'd, we'd do it if it meant more progress. But unfortunately the human body doesn't work that way. And training it like a, like a marathon instead and just having blocks of training where you know that you're going to be ramping up all of your training parameters over the course of say six to eight weeks instead of I want to get this goal, I'm going to get it in two weeks. That's That mindset shift is something that you learn over time with maturity and also just seeing the difference in, in progress either way. Amen. You know, kind of absolutely the one thing that i've been saying to a lot of people recently we you know kind of because we've been sitting down and doing a lot of intention setting you know we have a mentorship program and stuff but effectively you know deciding with individuals where we're going to be going for the next 12 to 16 weeks exactly what you're saying there so being really clear on that thing and a big part of you know uh that process for a handful of our tribes is here you know for a handful of those individuals those people who are similar to me you know who are like i'm ready what's up like okay give it to me you know like, i'm ready you know like that you know i'm like Basically, what we're saying here, right? It's almost like having to remind them, dude, uh, this workout is not your program. <laughs> you know, a workout is not a program. Your ability to go hard on the day that you feel so good is not your program. This is not the intention. Does that make sense? Like going as hard and fast or the other way, you know, if you had a really shit day or whatever kind of stuff and having to pull back things doesn't mean this was a waste kind of stuff. You know, like we need to have this long-term view. You know, and these these little bits here, they're just they're short term wins right now. You know, our objective is to just take pick them up and just, you know, continue to kind of get those short term wins in the bank. Right. So, again, like, you know, our workout is not the program and there's nothing wrong with a workout. Don't get me wrong. Right. But again, is it in line with the long term view? Right. That's such a fantastic way to look at it, because you need to look at the big picture. It's the the totality of all that stimulus, fatigue, and recovery. It's not just one individual session. It's the collection of many sessions repeated over time. And that becomes even more important as you get to intermediate and advanced stages of progression. You, you, can't, you can't treat it 
like it's it's one workout's going to make a big 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 difference and if we think about it that way you know kind of what we can actually do in a long term like you know at a yearly level so for me you know 12 months being a year you know kind of like four to five weeks of those year i will make it a point to basically not have a structure right it means like you know meaning kind of like you know it's like an opportunity for me to step away slightly to kind of you know maybe start to explore it doesn't mean i stop training it just means like what other ways can i explore you know kind of like what else can i pick up that i can still be again consistent with a little bit right you know just a kind of a when man thank you man once off kind of thing it's like just enough to kind of see okay i'm going to explore with this particular thing you know like otherwise i would have never done this in a normal way you know it doesn't fit in with my my greater plans you know kind of sort of thing but just to kind of give my body a break you know, from the, the same mundane, repetitive things that basically no one wants to do, you know, kind of like no one really shows the highlight reels of like, you know, what they do behind the scenes, right? Because it's not interesting, <laughs> you know, no one because doesn't get the likes, you know, doesn't get the, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? But that's where you build, you know, that's how like you develop, you know, kind of, and that's ultimately what, you know, enables us to kind of put these things together, what people kind of see from outside it, you know, um, and that's, pretty much the only way that, you know, like everybody else is going to elevate themselves too. That's the least glamorous aspect of long-term improvement and accomplishing good things with your body is recovery. And just highlighting the fact that yearly you like to take that time off. That's fantastic because the body needs a period of resensitization to any, any type of stimulus. Like the good example we can give people is caffeine. As, as a drug so you if you haven't had it you start taking it you get a certain effect but then over time if you keep having that same dosage it doesn't impact you as much we can treat training in the same respect as well maybe a certain amount of intensity and volume on certain movements produces a result but the body's not a machine you can't just keep adding more and more and more over time so what you said there was was great Vic where taking that opportunity to step away is going to resensitize your body when you reintroduce it in the future. And it could not even be such an extreme example. It could be like, say you're doing, um, you've been smashing your barbell deadlift and it's been, it's been going fantastic. You could swap that for a single leg deadlift variation instead. And you can keep going on and on. So you're doing chin-ups on a bar, you can go to the rings or etc. That's another way of resensitizing. This is, again, I feel like a lot of people have fear around this i don't think so so much more for the the people who are starting and beginners kind of thing but more so those high level people i'm talking like you know those intermediates to more advanced kind of people because you know let's be honest too like stepping away too far you know it's obviously going to take them away from that particular skill that time as well so like that's that argument that we can have as well but sticking to this point around you know it, this we use this word the foundation fundamentals a lot you know because because that's that's what we build that's that's the base baby you know kind of in a lot of people who are that intermediate to you know the the elite level kind of thing it almost feels like those words sometimes can be like i'm, I'm too good for that shit. like you know i did that i did my time there you know I, this is how i got to where i am kind of thing it's like that's cool but let's go back there just for a short period of time again you're not married to this shit. it's like let's remind ourselves the things that we can learn differently doing the same things right it's going to be a completely different experience you know, and then that is going to be able to tie back into the, the high level stuff that we're currently working on. What are the basics that everyone should have at all times? 
Cool. Uh, to me, again, basics are very subjective, right? Because again, it will depend on the, the individual in front of us. Uh, the basics are obviously, you know, normally given as like, hey, man, push, pull, squat, hinge, you know, throw, that sort of thing, the patterns effectively. Um, but, you know, kind of a lot of people often hurt themselves doing the basics for some reason, right? So, you know, to me, uh, it needs to be, let's say, I, uh, I put them into uh, little segments. So let's say upper body wise, you know, I normally have the straight arms, you know, kind of the straight arm basics, if you like. And to me, you know, kind of like a, a arch hang, you know, kind of it's a important one. So this is like the normal active passive hang would be just, you know, elevation depression kind of thing. The arch hang would be that on the steroids a little bit because now we start to think about retraction and depression in a slightly different angle you know kind of like so being able to do that for repetitions you know with controls we normally have a two second pause at the top of the control eccentric um the arch hang is a basic as well as the ring support holds you know for a straight arm so we're gonna like push and pull then obviously for the the bent arm we would have things like the dips and the chin-ups you know the two push and pull uh because you know if you have the chins and dips, we say chest to bar chin ups and you know dips, you know shoulders to the hands kind of thing. Um, like it's safe to say, you probably have push up and rows too, right? So from our upper body, you know we have the straight arm basic of the basic is ring support and archang, and then the chin ups and dips would be the bent arm. Then for the lifts, you know kind of obviously we have the big mechas like you know your two point two body weights, you know for the big squats and deadlifts and things like that. But really, uh, what we have is split squat. 40% of your body weight, you know, kind of a very, very simple, um, same thing with RDLs, you know, 40% of your body weight uh, to start off with. Now, the reason we have these, again, very subjective, uh, you know, numbers or percentages tied to it is because for in the context of lift, these two particular movements, so the split squats and the RDLs, obviously a little bit more knee bend in one and then more of a hip bend in the other kind of thing. This is a gateway for us to be able to then kind of go, okay, we've attained this, we have a certain capacity, let's go into the next thing, which would be the, the squats and deads as their primary lifts, you know? Um, so those RDLs and uh, split squat would be the, the basic, if you like, for the lift for us. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, that's great. And those are the universal exercises that are always good to check in if you've strayed to other objectives over a while, like. Like Vic said, you can just touch base and see where you're at on the vertical and horizontal pull, push, hinges, etc. to see if you want to focus more effort there or just to see yeah. how your, the, your training's paid off. The reason they're the basics, just so I guess kind of just to give people a little bit of context, I guess, you know, kind of those are the movements, but the context behind it would be, you know, very simple with the straight arm, you know, the support hold uh, on the rings, you know, kind of pushing down with straight arms, well, it's showing us, you know, conditioning of the wrist, the elbows, your position, that sort of thing. Obviously your muscle, you know, endurance a little bit, you know, 30 seconds plus is no joke, you know, on ring support holds for multiple sets. Arch hangs for, again, same thing, right? It's your shoulder health from a, the wall analogy that we used before, you know, kind of like, then the chin-ups for obviously reps, again, chin-ups and dips, it's like three times five reps, just so we're clear, you know, it's a basic kind of thing. Uh, if that's not attainable, then that's like, that's work in progress, you know, kind of because again, you don't accidentally get to three sets of five reps, right? So that's more of a, you know, demonstration of quality, understanding, and also the health of the upper body, right? For the lower body, the reason we use the split squats and RDLs is because, you know, obviously, as I said, they're a stepping stone for the bigger moves, but really with these simple two moves, we get to look at a shoulder stability in the context of lifting, breathing in the context of lifting, your ability to have 
hip and spine integrity in, you know, kind of in the context of lifting, meaning, you know, how well can we hinge the hips for RDLs and how well do we sustain, you know, kind of spine position in the split squat. And third and last, the, you know, kind of uh, introduction of more of a, a unilateral movement, you know, being able to con- like, you know, split squats. It's like, are you, you know, what's your right to lift like, you know, kind of, and then obviously the, uh, the hinge with the RDL is also more of a strength to length. So it's like the quality of your hamstrings and whatnot kind of thing too. Now, after I've been looking at your work over the years, I noticed that you tend to program for your students a substantial amount of unilateral work. So single arm or single leg movements. Why is this the case? Um, because no one really does not <laughs> That's the first and simple and straightforward answer. Like, you know, um, we have this thing we often say, you know, uh, actually I've said it already, you know, this, we don't know what we don't know, right? However, we need something that's a little bit like a North Star that once we get started, we get to understand, are we working towards this North Star or away from this North Star, right? So the reason we, you know, the most obvious answer, like the high level stuff, let's say, you know, in terms of the training goals, you know, let's take anything lifting. We talked about squatting or deadlift. Well, they're on two feet, you know, and we're talking about for multiple body weights. Okay, cool. Pack that up to the side. Um, you know, standing on two legs, well, we can do that pretty fairly simple. But if you can't do things on single leg work, you know, like it, it, it gives us so much more initially, you know, a form of assessment. It's a form of, you know, kind of education piece. And most importantly, it's paying our due diligence to prepare ourselves ready physically. Now, in terms of, you know, the uh, upper body, you know, kind of, again, systematically, what we try to do effectively is, you know, how well can you coordinate and control your shoulder blades, whether it be in the context of straight arm or bent arm. That's where we kind of come from. And this comes back to that idea of just rotating in different exercises that work the same overall muscles and movement patterns. I feel that unilateral training is highly underrated for a few reasons. Like it's hard, first of all, and it really highlights the differences between, between sides. And I think that a lot of people that do their say bilateral compounds really have a big check to the ego when they've gone from doing say heavy squats with x amount of weight to doing split squats with a fraction of the load but i think that that mindset needs to shift because with the unilateral stuff you can get a lot of intensity and a lot of stimulus with relatively low global fatigue because your weights are so are so light. Yeah, 100%, you know, kind of, and, and that's part of the reason we do it, you know, so talking about, you know, kind of whether it be somebody who's never really trained before, so very young novice kind of thing, well, working unilaterally, we get to educate, we get to build them up, pay our due diligence. Those savages who, you know, kind of are like, well, I can lift so much heavy, like I've been doing this for years and decades or whatever kind of thing, it's like, okay, show me these things. You know, kind of on a single leg. And but then exactly what you said there, it takes a hit to the ego. But it really what it does, you know, kind of to obviously, you know, no one likes to, you know, have their egos kind of, you know, kind of like hurt, right? But the way we kind of then frame it up, it's like, well, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to start to kind of learn and start to expose yourself in a different light. Because when we go back into the things that you're ridiculously good at, guess what? You're gonna be even better at those things. You know, and let's say, you know, actually in the context of lifting with, you know, kind of using it's like everybody is imbalanced, like imbalance is normal. It's like it's human. Right. The question here is like how much and is it going to be problematic down the line? If we want to work at a high level, you don't want the basics to be the limiting factor at a high level. And in fact, you can't have high level without this fucking basics here, because if you try to be a high level, it's only a matter of time 
before you get pulled back and get to do these basic things again. But if you have to pull back to do those things, it's probably a little bit too late, right? It probably means you've hurt yourself, you've burnt out, you, you, you know, kind of like it just, you have to then, yeah, relearn the shit. Why not just intentionally, proactively spend a little bit of time here, use it as a reference point that we can then continually build on to that big thing that we want to continue to kind of work on, right? That's the way we kind of propose it. What I take from what you've mentioned there is the big theme of this conversation would be it's not about the individual workout, it's about the program, or even you can look at it further than that, it's like the course of your training career. So it's like, okay, even if you did say want to get the heaviest squat in the world or the heaviest pull-up, you should spend some time in your training going to, say, a split squat, going towards, say, like maybe a bigger emphasis on, I don't know, bodyweight rows that you haven't touched in a while because that's going to keep you in the game. And I feel that that is the biggest underlying principle for people achieving these world-class feats. It's can you stay relatively injury-free and progress long-term? 100%. You know, whether you're getting paid millions of bucks to do it or whether you're an everyday Joe, you know, kind of like who has other priorities, responsibilities and whatnot, or people who are in like, you know, our industry, our field, right, where this is our livelihood. I mean, we just want to be good in our bodies for a long time, right? That's, that's the fucking real fucking big goal. Like whether we like to admit it or not, of course, like we want to be fucking present right now and we want to be fucking looking swole, supple, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? We want to move savagely right now, but we also want to do this for a long time to come. And there needs to be this kind of, not a compromise per se, but there's again, like, you know, it's different stage, different way of thinking about it. And, you know, the way you would go about educating, you know, the way you would help, you know, guide somebody would be, with this in mind, you know, where it's like, how can I give you what you want, but also what you need? So you develop not just in the now, in the, the, the near now, but also kind of over a long period of time too. you know, learn from my mistakes, you know, kind of like, again, we've been doing this for a number of years, over a decade or whatever kind of stuff. And it's not just a case of like, you know, we haven't just been studying this stuff, you know, this is an experiential like process that we've gone through and we continue to put ourselves through. You know, and through that process, okay, the time doesn't slow down. Like we're aging, you know, as well. Like, you know, so we've got this, this experience of like, cool, you know, like my ability to recover 10 years ago was very different to what it is now. You know, my life responsibilities are very different to what it was five years ago to now. Like so much has changed. So much has evolved, quite rightly so, you know, kind of. And, and it's cool. If somebody is still at that, you know, that prime, you know, like the early stages, that's cool. Let me push you, but let me kind of push you a little bit smarter. You know, kind of like, you know, if you're at this spectrum, you know, more kind of closer to us, like, cool, here's how we can do it long term, you know? Really, really solid. I, I agree 100%. You want to be doing this through choice and not be stopped because you have to. And I feel that given the amount of access to information and great coaches, there's almost no excuse. And like, even you combine that with just some basic self-awareness of your own body, you know deep down if you've got some practice, if, if you're going maybe a little bit too heavy or training a little bit too hard or doing too much, just having that perspective is absolutely key because for me, a, a big fear would be having some injury that's like crushing and like forces me to have to stop as opposed to me doing it off my own volition. But we've got to say it. We've got to say the, the basic boring stuff as these, these old coaches here on this podcast 
and and it, this is this is us playing a due diligence kind of thing right you know kind of of course and again i'm pretty sure you'd agree like obviously we want to give people what they want like it, there's no brain about it right because if you're getting what you want you're going to be with us for a long period of time we can develop this relationship xyz that other kind of thing however what we want may not be the thing that we need right and again you know this is where our roles come into play you know how well how well can we then educate you you know kind of this journey that we want to take you on like you know be real with you you know kind of give you what you want but what, what you also need and this is a not a like a, a do it for you you know kind of it's like we're going to do it with you you know it's that that sort of process and again it's a headspace thing now we know how important using full range of motion is for all things strength muscle size and also flexibility when and why should we train at short mid and long muscle lengths this is obviously comes down to we call it like position of flexion right so basically kind of you know long or end ranges now the mid range so the middle stuff where predominantly a lot of people where they do the work at right you know kind of the let's say the mid range for lack of you know better reference point that's where we can produce the the biggest force if you like right that's where we're going to feel the most strength coming to play the most connection coming to play the other spectrum whether it be the long or the short well the further we're away from you know this central place where we're the strongest you know kind of well it's compromising right so you know kind of say let's say the long range you know kind of it's like well are we going to snap something you know like are we going to tear something you know kind of versus let's say it goes so short it's like man i'm going to cramp up it's like oh my god okay right so to answer your question it's like you know, just the way we've been talking about, it's not just about one thing or like one thing being the end or all, it's a, it's a sweet blend, right? If we want to prepare our bodies, if we want to prepare ourselves, why not explore, you know, kind of the, the, the continuum, if you like, that's the way I'd like to kind of think about it, right? So we have the meat, which is effectively like the middle, right? And the veggies are going to be on the other sides of the table, right? So, you know, kind of, so this combination of this, you know, long range and, and range effectively, it's a great way to make sure that we're continuing looking after self and also tapping into our, our potential, right? Not just in the short term, but also for the long term. So practical examples, you know, kind of maybe something like, you know, let's say one-arm chin-ups is something that I'm still continuing to kind of work on. And it's one of those projects, you know, people are like, hey, haven't you got a one-arm chin-up? I'm like, not to the quality that I want to, right? Also, not just that, but also the way I would refer, you know, the way I've been able to attain them, you know, they're not what I would classify as like, you know, kind of uh, the standard that I would hold them, you know, to be where it needs to be at effectively, right? Now, why is that? Well, the simple answer is I'm not fucking strong. <laughs> That's the reality. I'm not strong enough, you know, kind of now, what do you mean? Like, you know, like you can do this and you can, you know, Okay, well, there are certain parts, there are certain portions of the movement that I'm not in control of, that I don't have the strength in, you know? So, okay, well, how do you develop those strengths? You know, do you just do more reps of those, you know, one-arm chins? Well, that's one way, you know, but I can amplify that by looking at it. Okay, you know, am I, am I worrying at the top? You know, the more, the end range, right? Can I actually get that height? Can I lock out at the top? Mm, that's not much of a problem. Why? Because, well, I've worked those isometrics for so long. Right, so, you know, kind of, and that eccentric portion coming down. I'm like, yeah, I've got that, you know, down pat. I can fucking slow that shit down to, you know, six to eight seconds for multiple reps and sets, whatever kind of thing. But that from dead hang position, oh my god, you know, it's like, well, that's a starting position, <laughs> right? Now that's like the long range, if you like, right? So, you know, kind of. So again, that means knowing that I can start to prepare myself better, 
right? It's like, if that's one of my sticky points, why not give that little bit of love and attention, right? Now that's in the, the specific context of one arm chins. But now let's say from a, a range of motion perspective or hypertrophy, if you like, right? So, you know, we talked about, you know, you're going to be only strong in ranges that you explore them in, right? That's what, that's what the saying goes, right? So, you know, let's take a hinge as an example, you know, where, you know, an RDL is an example, right? We normally label RDL as like, you know, strength through length type of work. The idea here is we're not trying to be like the best RDL, meaning the heaviest RDL kind of thing. We're trying to use RDL as a vehicle to improve our range of motion. Right, the same lifting, you know, technique goes into play. Are we stable at the lats, you know, the shoulders? Are we breathing and bracing, and are we hinging well at the hips? If that's all happening, if the upper body is set mechanically, well, is it like the, the length of the hamstring? Is it the tendons that crosses the knee joints? Is it the insertion points near the butt? Okay, cool. Those are areas we can develop them in. Right now, that's a long range for hamstring. Right, deadlifts would be mid range. Guess what? I can lift fucking deadlifts heavy. You know, and I'll continue to do that. That's like the meat, right? But what then would be the short range? You know, like, well, something like a, a leg curl, right? A hamstring curl, right? Now that means I'm going to get as much blood into these areas as possible, right? More blood means, well, there's more opportunities to kind of recover in those areas, right? So kind of more nutrient, you know, rich, you know, stuff happening and things like that. So we can, we can use it from so much different, you know, perspective effectively, right? I think you absolutely nailed that explanation of range of motion at different points. You could almost, if I was to summarize it and I'll try and be succinct, is you'd be using full range of motion for the most part. That's like your, your compound version of, of training, right? It's going to capture a lot of, a lot of things with just the one, one aspect. But then your, say, short range stuff is more of the isolation. It's like the, the icing on the cake. And your side split example is perfect how like you'd be lengthening the adductors, but then you'd also be training the, say the hip abductors on the, on the short, on the shortening side, not the lengthening side. And same thing with like, say a pike, a pike, you want to say bend down, touch your toes. You'd be training through the full range to lengthen the hamstrings. Then you'd be training at the short range to strengthen hip flexors to help with that compression. So to summarize that it's, it, it matters a lot specifically for flexibility-based training from what you've said. For sure, yeah. And as I said, you know, like, think about it as if, like, you know, you, you're preparing your body to the best ability, you know, to a wide, you know, having a wide array of options effectively. Nice. Now, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned about integrating flexibility into your workouts in a smart way. How could people make effective use of their rest periods? So if they're, say, training upper body can they do stretching that doesn't conflict and same with lower body yeah of course absolutely you know kind of um so let's start with a, a tangible example i guess you know kind of so let's say you're working volume on a chin up and dips it's a, it's a bent arm strength session you know and you're just kind of busting out volume on your basics your fundamentals um now we can look at it you know it's a capacity builder for the upper body right? You know, if you're doing chins and dips for a volume, uh, you're going to have to obviously rest enough to be able to then go at it again, right? So that rest period, because, you know, we're all busy bees and we're just like twiddling our thumbs. I mean, it's probably better than going on the gram, right? <laughs> um, hey, let's utilize that time to maybe throw a super couch, you know, like maybe just, go, in fact, it's a minute rest, 
got 30 seconds on each side. Boom, here we go. How many sets of the chin-ups and dips are you gonna do? Let's say five sets. Okay, well, that's guess what? Nearly, what is it, two and a half minutes per side of stretching on each leg. That's the, that's the lengthening work that you were not doing prior. <laughs> I mean, that's an easy integration, you know? Um, let's say uh, lower body strength work, you know? Let's say we're, we're squatting, you know, kind of, and obviously we're gonna be using the lower body, right? Uh, man, just throw a fucking peck stretch. I don't know, you know, kind of like, you know, just lean on that fucking squat rack, you know, kind of, again, it's an, it's an easy way to integrate those things, right? So obviously when I say smarter, obviously it depends on, you know, where you're liking things are, you know, kind of as well, because you don't want to make it too complicated either, right? You don't want it to be that, that diminishing return. So you going back to that middle split as an example, you know, kind of, <clears throat> you wouldn't do squat training with middle split training, right? That just, I mean, doesn't even sound sane, right? That's, that's not cool. That's not smart, you know, kind of. So, you know, there are so many different ways. Let's say we're talking about supersetting here, like we can use supersetting, right? You know, like, well, if it's an upper body workout, we could probably do a lower body. Or if we were working a lower body, we could probably do an upper body, right? You know, um, we can maybe, maybe if you're doing straight sets as well, you know, kind of, you can maybe do it in a slightly different way, potentially, right? Um, so again, there are different ways we can superset things, right? Uh, you know, people often say, uh, let's say from a, a muscular side of things, you know, kind of they go, well, we can go chest and chest, right? You know, it's like we can do chest press and flies. It's like we're fatiguing the chest. We can grow more muscle or whatever kind of thing. Well, you know, you can go through an iteration. Let's say super catch is an example, you know, coming back to that as an example. Maybe we do a more of a quad bias. So your hips are back to your ankles for 30 seconds. And then we do more of a hip extension. Right. You know, again, like that's maybe a poor example, but I'm just saying, I mean, that's a minute on your, you know, quads or hip flexors that wasn't happening before. Right. You know, and this could be on your heavy sets. Right. You know, like if you're doing weighted chins and you need to rest for a lot longer. Right. Guess what? You've got more time to play with. So, again, you know, being smart in the way we select, you know, movements effectively. Right. You know, pigeon stretch for your glutes. Again, you know, it's like, fuck. If you, most people are fucking tired ass. Like, might as well kind of, you know, use the glutes. Right. You, you know, if you're doing a, a deadlift as an example, you probably wouldn't do back bends, <laughs> right? You know, so as an example, right? I mean, that's not very smart to say, but then what can we do? You know, like, so it will depend, you know, kind of what kind of strength work we're doing, but definitely, you know, kind of we can better utilize that rest period in the strength work, um, implementing the right movements. It's such an easy way to get in extra homework, like you said, on things that you wouldn't go out of your way to do. So like you're doing upper body stuff, just stretch your calf it's like you're never gonna go there and stretch your calf for a minute minute and a half but that extra piece is going to help so much just for ankle mobility over time especially if it's integrated into your day here's something your listeners can you know kind of definitely take away one of the protocols that we've been using quite successfully you know just talking about the ankles is obviously the calf stretch is a very simple straightforward one you know and calf is one of those places you know just like it takes time you know like downstairs there aren't you know when i say much muscle it's like mostly tendons around your you know your feet your ankles kind of thing right your achilles is the big it's a tendon effectively um you know we get people to kind of sit on their tibs you know so like yoga block under their laces of their fit feet so we stretch the bottom of the ankles you know you can do plantar seats so you can curl your toes up which is nasty you know like i'm talking 90 second holds you know minutes to 90 second holds now maybe you 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 brunk it down to like 30 45 seconds at a time but you do that for reps and sets. Guess what? You accumulate that time. We talked about that frequency, baby. So again, it doesn't need to be intense, right? And you, guess what? You've looked at the underside of your feet, 
plantar stretch. You looked at the tips, the front of your shins, right? The laces of your feet. You're doing the calf stretch. You looked at that bottom compartment of your feet. I know I'm showing my hands, but you know, that bottom part, it's like, that's the shit that you would never do or like didn't think you had the time in the world to do or want to commit to doing it, you know, by itself. Guess what? You can implement it while you're doing the upper body. Simple. Nice. I really wanted to ask you this question and I know that this is probably something you've faced and had to overcome over time. The notion of simplicity versus complexity. What has been your experience with both sides of the fence and what's your approach that you recommend to take? Ooh, well, whew, this is a, a tearing thing because, you know, being on the I'm going to respond to this kind of through my lens and like, you know, kind of my own experience and then how I would want this to look like for somebody else. Because they're two very different things, right? So, you know, starting with myself, obviously we talked about, you know, walking the walk, you know, kind of, and, you know, a big part of that is effectively taking on challenges, you know, persevering and obviously, you know, kind of uh, learning and doing things in a way that obviously, you know, then you can, you know, help other people do it, right? So effectively what that often looks like you know, what most people, like opposite to what most people think, it means you're not winning all the time, right? You know, kind of it's a, you know, when you can only see six feet in front of you, well, you know, everybody behind you thinks like, well, miles ahead, he's climbing the path, you know, but like, man, it's like, it's, it's fucking lonely, you know, kind of, and it's, it's hard. It's like, and at times you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Now, you know, talking about simplicity, complexity, like the only reason I can do that is because like, I'm often like the simple things, like that's the anchoring point, you know, kind of like, and, and this is everything in life, not just training, you know, kind of like the simple things that I have in life, the disciplines, right? We talked about training being that space and time for us to be able to come back to, to anchor ourselves, to develop ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, to, and it's a metaphor for our life, you know, kind of how we go about, how diligent are we, how do we show up, you know, like, are we going to whinge moan? Are we going to let something just kind of drag us down or, you know, kind of, there's no, there's no failures in a way, right? It's like, it's a learning, right? You know, so again, that gets anchored in that simplicity, but we still have to take that, you know, kind of, and it's like, sometimes what that means of being at the front is like, you know, I, I, I sometimes got to run before I can walk sort of thing, you know, kind of, so, you know, carving your own path, it's a little bit like that, right? Now, on the other side, you know, kind of somebody that I'm guiding and, you know, I'm like, well, let's have this simple stuff. Let's make that the priority. And then let's start to transition into what could be, you know, what we can classify as a little complexity for that person effectively, right? So in a, in a training realm, I use that, you know, kind of that North Star as an example, you know, these would consider what we consider to be, you know, our foundation fundamental movements, you know, the way we communicate, use terminologies, what we consider to be basics, like where are we at with that, you know, kind of, and how much do we own that? And cool, based on that, okay, what are the intentions? Okay, this is the context. Let's help to guide you that way. So that simplicity is where everybody needs to start, you know, kind of, and that is effectively, you know, um, the best place, the best way for us to be on the same wavelength. The reality is, you know, we can come at it from so many different angles, places and whatnot. But as I said before, we don't know what we don't know and we need something that's a little bit like a North Star and a North Star can't be too complex to start off with. Great, great. Now, for someone that has been flourishing and succeeding in training for, as you said, over a decade, what would you say are some of the success habits that you embody to get you to this point? Over the years, just like training, the more 
older you get, you know, like the PBs don't seem to come as often, right? So, you know, kind of like that's the reality. But the more highly skilled you are, like the the less, you know, I'm not saying highly skilled, I'm not saying I'm highly skilled, but what I mean by that is like your training age, right? You know, when you're starting out, you're not skilled. Like you do, you're not aware, you're not able to coordinate X, Y, Z. Like intermediate would be like a little bit more skilled, you know, kind of a, a little bit more hardware in there and, you know, can do certain things. And then the elite would be like, you know, their their skill like they know the, the how to do coordinate influence their bodies and xyz kind of thing and they're pushing the body to that you know kind of point effectively too now in that breath you know kind of what that means is like you're gonna probably have more mistakes more failures you know kind of than more successes right so using that as a a platform like it's a it's a learning thing effectively right so you know i talked about projects you know i came to terms you know kind of I think four or five years ago, you know, kind of when the gains were coming right, left and center, I'm like, oh my God, unlock this, unlock that. Okay, got this. This is the new normal. Let's go, you know, kind of. And then to try to take that next step, you know, at the same time, it's like the biggest mistake, you know, but I had to walk through that, you know, kind of, although I thought about it a certain way, I get what I went about guiding other people in a certain way for myself. It's like, you know, that's, you know, six feet in front of me kind of analogy. It's like, well, cool. Like, let me see if I can. Oh, no. Okay, backtrack. Okay, cool. Let's let's rethink, redesign, intention, X, Y, Z. So those mistakes are going to be the, the key things, you know, where we're going to take the learnings and we have to really embody those learnings, you know, kind of. So that's one thing. So our learnings, you know, over the years are the key things, you know, not making the same mistakes, you know. Um, then obviously then there's the discipline we talked about, you know, kind of. Um, and I say discipline because there's no other, you know, better way of articulating myself uh, to the point being you know uh, showing up right leaning into the work you know not everybody's going to be 100 percent every day right but on that 40 percent day do you still show up and do you give 100 percent of that 40 percent <laughs> you know like and again coming back to one of the key things we we're talking about a little bit earlier on that movement vocabulary now what that allows us to do is it allows us to go into the toolbox and go oh, cool this is the right thing for today you know, like the, you know, understanding, pulling back or pushing forward sort of thing, right? So this, you know, discipline, right? This this learning effectively. Um, and then this is probably in the last, you know, four years or so kind of thing, which is actually, you know, reaching out, <laughs> you know, kind of and, and learning through others who are walking the path, you know, kind of who are carving their path, you know, kind of. And uh, yeah, that's like invaluable because, you know, Back in the day where it used to be like a, a lone wolf, you know, you would have your mind blown away. You go learn something, you come back and you're like, oh, shit, I forgot 90% of this shit. The 5% that I already liked, I can't do 3% of that. You know, it's like, but whereas like now we have this ability to like, hey, man, like, you know, curious to kind of see how this is going for you. Or like, you know, do you have any suggestions around this, X, Y, Z? Like being able to like comfortably reach out to people, you know, kind of ask for help is basically what I'm saying. You know, like it's a big thing. You know, kind of, so I think, you know, those are some of the, the key things I feel like, you know, kind of as we get a little bit, you know, older kind of thing, I, like the key things to keep growing, you know. Perfect. Appreciate your insights. Love chatting with you. Thanks so much, Vic. It was a pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me. Thanks everyone for listening. Visit fitnessfaqs.com to master calisthenics and become a bodyweight pro.